what's going to happen in heaven too, right? So we better know how to do it down here if we're going to do it up there, right? <laughs> yes, well, praise the Lord. And I, maybe just a couple highlights here. Uh, in light of yesterday there and even today. <clears throat> but I just want to bless the little children or the little children, the 13-year-olds and under maybe. Thank you for singing. God bless you as you sing. I still like to hear children sing. And uh, I told something to a brother. I pick on you, Vernon? <laughs> I said, what happened there last night... You know, when uh, there was different younger families that went up there with their children and sang. Some maybe said a poem or so. And I said, that's what, that's what family verses and songs is. <laughs> and Vernon was kind of like, what's that? <laughs> so apparently we didn't ha- haven't had family verses and songs since Vernon's here. So, But anyways, I, I, I encouraged him to uh, maybe... Take up the challenge. You know, maybe sometimes we get too much. Maybe that's why we quit. I don't know. Maybe we're, we're, we're too competitive, Larry, like we, where you heard this morning. <clears throat> Let's put that all aside. There's something beautiful about children. Even uh, Vernon, you know, he couldn't quote his Bible verses, but the children were. <laughs> I was looking at the children, not you, Vernon. <laughs> <No>. <clears throat> Praise God for little children. How was it when Jesus came there into Jerusalem? And some were upset. That was it the little children that were singing. The children that were singing. And he said if, I forget exactly how that goes there, but something to the extent if, if we, if I, Jesus, if he tells the people to quit or the children Stop singing, the rocks and the mountains will start singing. Well, may we be a singing people. Praise God. We have something to sing about. We have a new song. Well, I don't know what you are expecting tonight, and I don't know if I know what I'm expecting, but I, yes, I, maybe I shouldn't say it that way. I am believing God. I do believe He has a message that He that he uh, wants me to share tonight. And I do want to thank you too for praying. We need the prayers of the saints. Right, Larry? I I could maybe say more about this morning too, just the different things that were mentioned. Andrew is here tonight. But uh, maybe some are listening in. Listening in. God bless you too as you listen in. And those who maybe are not here tonight but might hear the message. Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus came to save sinners. <clears throat> but just uh, yeah, a couple of things here this morning. I so appreciated the opening and then the, uh, <clears throat> the children's lesson there about... Uh, being missionaries right where we're at. You know, sometimes we think that if we go over to Africa or somewhere, somehow get into a plane, that that'll make us a missionary. But I'm here to tell you tonight, that does not make you a missionary. Just because you 
get a ticket and go to Africa. What makes you a missionary is if you have a heart that is full of the love of God and you see the needs around you and you do something about it. And there's many needs. There's many needs. I don't know, I might say it, say it tonight a couple of times. I'm not sure, but the neighbor across the street, Larry Ian, I think is his name. He's a needy soul. He needs the Lord Jesus. He knows what he is doing. At least he knows that he, is, he has Bible knowledge. He grew up, I think, in a Christian. At least he went to church. So he knows. He told me that he knows and he didn't want to hear anything. But somehow, there he is. Drinking his life away, he needs to hear the gospel. He needs to hear the good message that Jesus came to save him. Yeah, and then uh, I'm kind of scattered here, and I probably will be scattered here tonight, so bear with me. Then the message, the main message, sir, that Larry had. Yeah. I hope we were all listening. I hope we were all listening. And even going back to the Sunday before, Elvin preached a message on uh, something about a vision and the glory of God. And I don't know about you, but I trust it's the same for you. But I, I have a burden. God has a burden for His church. Jesus is coming back for his church that is without spot and without wrinkle. Jesus is coming back for a church that is pure, that is holy, that his glory is coming out of that church or that body. And that's my desire, that's my burden for us here at Zion, that's my burden for the church if you will, worldwide, the church of Jesus Christ. And the more I read this book and, and meditate on it and, and uh, hear messages like we heard this morning, there's hope. There's hope. Yes, there's churches that are that are that are not making it, maybe. And even, can I say it here this evening, I went back to Pennsylvania and spent some time with my dad. I had a desire to do that, and God gave me the opportunity to do that, and I was blessed to be able to do that. But through that, I also was able to visit with uh, one of my sisters, brother-in-law and my sister, There in the church that I grew up with, there they are. And they're facing some real things. They're facing real things. And so I was thinking, what should I say to them? What would you say to them? Oh, just leave the church and go and find a better church. Well, I probably used to be more of that note, but I tell you, brothers and sisters, if we can't make it work here, where is it going to work? If we can't make it work here, where is it going to work? So, yeah. 
God is good. God is on the throne. God loves us. Let's go to John chapter 3 this evening for the message. John chapter 3, verse 16. Is there a child in this room this evening that will quote that verse for me? John 3, 16. Is there someone who knows that verse well enough to stand up and quote it? John 3.16. Is there someone? You want to try it? Go ahead. Should not. But. But. Have. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting. Lasting life. For God so loved the world that He gave, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Praise God. Everlasting life. Mm. Do you have that everlasting life in your heart here tonight? I was going to just touch on this song that we sang. I, uh, thinking of Sunday evening services, I have memories of Sunday evening services that, uh, that this song brings memories back. Are you looking for the fullness of the blessing of the Lord? May we long for God to work. May we pray that God will work. That we can sing this song and we can sing it with experience. How should I say? With our eyes seeing what we, are, what we are singing. And I'm not saying, I'm not inferring that we're not seeing any of it. But oh, God has so much more for us. It, this, this song is so... Uh, maybe I'll just make a couple comments on it. Are you longing for the fullness of the blessing of the Lord in your heart and life today? Are you longing for the fullness of the blessing of the Lord in your heart tonight? My brothers and sisters, my, my, uh, let's see, how do you say it? Children, boys and girls, there we go. Are you looking for the fullness of the blessing of the Lord in your heart and life today? Claim the promise of your Father. Come, and I like this, come according to His his word in the, in the blessed old time way. It's still the old 
confessing gospel. He will fill your heart today to overflowing. As the Lord commandeth you, bring your vessels, not a few. He will fill your heart today to overflowing with the Holy Ghost and power. And is that not what we need in this day and age that we live in? We need the Holy Ghost and power. Is it because we only bring maybe one little vessel and it's too full of other stuff? And God can, can uh, well that one there is almost full, not quite. There's not much more room in there. And he was too full of other things. And we only have the faith to bring the little, one vessel that we have. But how many vessels did that widow bring? <clears throat> how many vessels will we bring tonight? Like the cruise of oil unfailing is His grace forevermore, His love unchanging still, according to His promise with the Holy Ghost and power, He will every vessel fill. Every vessel fill. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. Well, let's go back to uh, this verse here in John. If you're there with your Bibles, John 3.16. We quoted it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. <clears throat> well, there's different words in this, in this, uh, in this verse that I want to zero in on this evening. The first verse is, For God. God. For God. God. Who is God? God. For God. I have this, uh, this uh, burden or whatever you want to call it here. But I think we do too much of this. We heard it this morning. If you remember, Lee mentioned it. We do too much of this, what's, what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, I think. They that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. You know, we can fall into this thing of comparing ourselves among ourselves, you know. We, well, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing as good as Vernon, so I'm doing pretty good. Or I'm doing, yeah, uh, whatever, however you want to. However you want to phrase that here this evening. I think you know what I mean. It says, the scripture says, they that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. Let us be wise tonight. Let us not gauge our, or uh, uh, compare ourselves among ourselves. And even with the message this morning that Larry was saying, that, that thing comes in there too. <clears throat> it's not wise to do that. So who should we compare ourselves with? Who should we compare ourselves with? We need to see the holiness of God and not excuse ourselves when we see ourselves and our need in light of His glory. We need to see God. We need to see His holiness. We need to see God for who He is. And when we stand in that mirror and we see ourselves before a Holy God, we will not say, well, I'm doing pretty good. 
We won't say that. Because God is holy. And there's too much, can I say, unholiness in us. Was it Isaiah when he saw the holiness of God? What did he say? I'm a man of unclean lips. He saw, he had a vision of the holiness of God. And do we ever need a vision of of the holiness of God? I forget exactly how Tozer says that. But he says something about as far as our view of God will depend on who we are as a Christian. If we have a low view of God, our Christianity is going to be like we heard this morning, Corinthians say about they were carnal. They were immature, you could say. <clears throat> but God wants us to have a vision of His holiness. To see Him for who He is. And I don't know how else to, to do that, but to look into the Scriptures. <clears throat> read the Scriptures. And maybe more than just read it, we can... We, I, I, <clears throat> maybe I should ask tonight, but I, I don't think I will. But some of us are reading through the Bible once a year. I just give an encouragement. Don't just read for the sake of reading. When I was a little boy, I used to read books. My brother, Larry, competition. My brother read books, and I wanted to keep up with him, so I read books to Trump somehow. He went to this uh, bookmobile up in Turry Hill, and he got these books. And I wanted to keep up with my brother Lester. So I read these books, but I found myself even... They were not books that we, we should read. They were Western books and, you know, all that uh, garbage. But anyways, I, I, found, I still remember. My brother-in-law gave me some same gray Western books. And I, here was about six of them. And I read through some of I think I read them all. But I found myself just wanting, just quickly reading. And, I, and I'm glad I did that for, for, so it didn't sink in. But, but that's not how we read the Bible. The Bible, we read it so it sinks in so that we see the holiness of God to where we say, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm not where I need to be. May God help us. May God help us. This song that we sang last night as a family, 109. Thank you, Brendan, for introducing that song to us. I think you were the one that actually you had it for your wedding. And I, I just love this song. But in light of, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about God here. Who is like Jehovah God? To whom can we compare? The vastness of this mighty King, the Lord, to whom we sing. The nations are as dust to Him as one drop in a pail No one can be compared with Him who can His greatness dim. And yet this great and mighty God whose goodness never fails has pledged our strength. He will renew and this He'll surely do. This is our God. This song is taken out of Isaiah 40. And it would maybe be wise to go there tonight, but I'm not going to for the sake of time. Our God is on the throne tonight. And maybe in light of the, the opening this morning about God spoke the word and Satan was cast out of heaven. 
I was thinking of there in the, in the, in the, in the beginning when God spoke the world into existence. And I just read that this afternoon. He spoke. And there was light. He said, let there be light and there was light. Let there be uh, trees and let there be animals. And there, there was animals and there was trees and there was all these different things. God spoke and it happened. This is our God tonight. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above that which you're able to think or ask. Our God is real. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Let's go to 1 John, yet in light of God here. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. We read this, or I read this the other morning at home in our family devotions, and it just, it just hit me. I was actually reading it for another reason. And as I was reading it, it just hit me. This then is the message which we have heard of Him declare unto you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. This is our God. He spoke the world into existence. He said, let there be light, and there was light. God is light. There is nothing that, there's nothing, well, maybe we should just go on here. 1 John 2.29, it says God is righteous. 1 John 3.3 says God is pure. 1 John 4.8 and 16 says God is love. God is light. God is righteous. God is pure. God is love. And there's, we could, Put more in there, but I stopped at that. God is light. God is righteous. God is pure. God is love. When we compare ourselves with the love of God, when we compare ourselves with God here tonight, how do we, how do we, How do we, uh, how should I say, how do we compare? Maybe that's how I should say it. I used to think that you come to a service, let's say, like I'm thinking about this song that we sang and and some of the memories I had in in services were more revival type uh, service. You know, somehow I used to think that I, have to, I, I need to be perfect. And I was under a lot of condemnation. Brother Danny or Brother Mose would get up and preach, and they would preach, and I would, I would feel my, my undoneness, even though I was born again, but I would feel my undoneness, and I, I thought I had to be there now. I thought I had to be this perfect Christian that never made a mistake. And it put me under a lot of condemnation. And I... And I struggle with that for probably, I don't know how many years I struggle with that. But, but Jesus, how does it say there in Romans? There is there now no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus tonight, there is no condemnation. But let me say, God saves us. And condemnation is gone. The burden is lifted of sin is off our back. And we, are, we have peace with God. 
Well, like we heard this morning, God wants to change us from glory to glory. And if you and I are here tonight, God wants to show us our undoneness. And He wants us to, he wants us to, to see it for what it is and say, Lord, change me. Do we get that? Do we get that? May God deliver us from this idea that we have attained. My brothers and sisters, we have not attained. We have not attained. God has so much further to take us. And we could just, you know, the whole aspect here of God's love. To have that pure love of God flowing out of my life. And brothers and sisters, I think the best way to grow in this thing, Larry, you were talking this morning about, uh, it's still up here. Uh, uh, Seek for more. Seek for more. What was I saying? The best way I believe is that when we see and when we realize maybe we respond in the wrong way or whatever, and we take that thing before the Lord and say, God, that was not your love coming through me. Lord, forgive me, change me. And if we do that every time that something like that happens, guess what will happen? Do you think you're going to grow in God's love? Do you think there's going to be more of the love of God flowing out of your heart and your life? My brothers and sisters, I believe, I believe it will. I believe it will. But we have maybe too much the idea that, well... You know, I'm saved. Praise God for the blood. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's good. If you're secure in your salvation. But God has a work for us to do. God has a work for us to do. And if we are too, how should I say, full of other things. If we're too full of other things. God maybe has to take us and put us on the shelf. I'm afraid there's too many that God has to do that with. But oh, may God give us a vision. May God give us a burden. Jesus died our soul to save, not just so that we could have a ticket to go to heaven, but so that His life would be uh, manifested, that His life would be shown and, and lived out and through us. <sighs> How did you say that, Larry? This We were out there talking, Lee and you and I were talking, and Lee was bringing this thing up about um, there in Romans, that theology that some have taken uh, wrong, be conformed to the image of Christ. Let me go to it. I'll read it. Yes, here, verse, Romans 8, verse 29. For whom, he, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. So we have some that are, have this thing of predestination that some are predestined to be saved and some are predestined to be lost. But that's not what Romans there is saying. 
It is saying that we're predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. And Larry, while we were talking about that, Larry mentioned and went back to, to the beginning where God formed Adam in His, how did you say that? In His image. In His own image. And we know what happened there in the garden. Sin came in and destroyed that. But oh, God sent His Son so that can be restored again, if you will. That we can show forth Christ to a lost and dying world. Okay, we need to move on here. So we were looking at God. God is light, God is righteous, God is pure, God is love. The next one I want to look at is love. For God so loved the world. I want to look a little bit at love. I was, I, as I was preparing or trying to put some things down on paper this afternoon, I was almost, almost I, I was shocked when I realized I only had four papers and that love was not in it. And I thought, whoa, now wait a minute. <laughs> How can we talk and preach about this chapter in, in, in John 3.16 and not talk about the love of God? <clears throat> yes, God is love. Well, I just want to look, read, uh, uh, we were in Corinthians this morning. Let's just read a couple verses in there again. 1 Corinthians 13. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 8 says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity voleth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemingly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Praise God. That's what love does. That's what char- excuse me. That's what charity does. What does it do? It suffereth long. It's kind, even when those are not maybe some are not kind to us. Love is kind, even if somebody beats us. What will love, the love of God do? It will respond in love. It'll be kind. <clears throat> suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. There's no envy there of, of, of uh, uh, being envious of our brother's gift, Brother Larry. There's no envy there. Envieth not. Charity voteth not itself. Is not puffed up. No pride. There's no pride there. Doth not behave itself unseemingly. It does not seek its own. It's not easily provoked. Are you sitting here tonight and do you get easily provoked? You need a good dose of the love of God. Amen? Do you get easily provoked? It thinks no evil. Wow. No evil. It rejoices not in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. When you hear something about a brother or a sister, and it's a little bit gossipy, and it, it's, you know, you probably know you shouldn't listen to it, but you do anyways. And here it says that love does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. How is it when we hear something 
Do we repeat it? It beareth all things. Love beareth all things. It believeth all things. It hopeth all things. It endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Lord, fill us with your love. Lord, fill us with your love. This is what love does. Corinthians here that we read. I like to look at a couple other things here. In Matthew, uh, there are very familiar scriptures here this evening. But oh, may we allow God's word to speak to us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to 48. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him that other also. I talked to somebody and he said, somebody, uh, not literally, but by what he said, he did something he had told him not to do and he said it was like he literally slapped him in the face and he left him have it. Is that what you do? I don't know how many, I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen somebody slapped on the face or not. But bring it down closer home. When somebody slaps you in the face, so to speak, maybe you told them that they shouldn't do something. Maybe it's your child that did something and they somehow, whatever, and you just let them have it. I told you so. Why did you do that for? And you let them have it. You, you slap them. Or, yeah. Let's go on here. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. So there it would be like, in a sense, it would be like your child, in a sense, would slap you because of their response, and then you, because you're not flowing in the love of God, you slap back or you let him have it. If any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, cloak, coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. How does that play out? And we don't have time to go into these things, but how does that play out in everyday life? If somebody asks you to do something, do you do it cheerfully? And do you do it even better than, and more than what they asked you to? So daddy asks you to go feed the goats. You barely feed them, or you feed them there. You know exactly how daddy wants you to feed them, and you feed them exactly how you know, and you even see that there's something a little bit wrong with that little goat over there, and you take care of that, and, and you see maybe the fence is a little bit, has a hole in it, and you repair that. That's how it is. You go the second mile. Oh, God deliver us from only barely doing it for the, well, we know we're supposed to, so I guess we better do it, or we'll get a spanking, or, yeah. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, he sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them, which love you, 
What reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same. They can do that. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more? Then others, do not even the publicans so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Going back to verse, verse 46 there. For if ye love them which love ye, what reward have you? You go to Luke chapter 6 verse 32. It says it in a little different way. And I, I like this. I think Henry Clausen, when he was here, he mentioned this. And uh, I asked him later and he didn't remember but anyways, in Luke chapter 6, I just want to point this out. Luke chapter 6, verse 33, it says, And if you do good to them which do good to you, what think, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And you look up that word, thank, have, or thank, what thank have ye, or thank. That word in the Greek is grace. What grace have you? If you can only do what the publicans do, what grace have you? <clears throat> Let's now go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 20 to 24. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Ye have heard that it was said by them old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Rachel, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if I bring thy gift to the altar, and there remembers that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, go thy way first, be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. <clears throat> We're going to look at the gift later here this evening. But here it's about God's gift. But here... It's talking about us bringing a gift to God. You want to bring a gift to God. But you realize or understand or somehow you find out that there's a problem. A brother has a problem with you or a sister has a problem with you. There is aught. There's a rift. There needs to be reconciliation. What will the love of God do? What will the love of God do? Well, he did something that I had a right to get angry or in the context here, I think that's a little bit how it's laying it out. <clears throat> so I let him have it. Now this brother's offended because I let him have it. Well, so who's, who's going to make this thing right? Who's going who's to make this thing right? Well, here the way Jesus lays it out, he says... Leave thy gift before the altar. Go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother. And that, that's a whole message in itself. And I was, when I first realized that I was on the preacher this evening, uh, this is probably three, four weeks ago, this is the first thing that came to me. And we, there's a message in here, but I just thought I'd bring it out for us to consider in light of the love of God. Maybe just a couple more comments on this. So here you realize that your brother hath ought against you. But somehow we are so good making excuses. We are so good saying, well, it's his problem. But what does the love of God do? What does Jesus tell us to do? He tells us to humble ourselves, Larry. He tells us to humble ourselves and go 
and to our brother and be reconciled. First, be reconciled to thy brother. And I heard somebody say that there's a promise in this. Leave thy gift before the altar. Go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother. It's possible. It's possible when we come in the right heart and the right, if we come in humility. When we come taking, if, I'll just say it this way. When we go to that brother and we take full responsibility for what we did. Maybe he did something wrong too. He probably did. <laughs> maybe not. But we take full responsibility and we say, brother, I understand something happened. And I don't like it. I must, apparently I must have done something that, that has caused this rift in our relationship. And maybe you, maybe I, you can even remember that you did something and you say, brother, I am sorry I did this. We are taking full responsibility. I want my relationship with my brother. We have here in Matthew chapter 5 where it says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. There is people that are mourning because of a loss of a daughter or a son or maybe a husband or a wife. That's very real. And it happens. It just happened in our community. Can't imagine. But brothers and sisters, do we mourn when we realize there's a rift in our, a relationship? Do we mourn? And we do something about it to repair that breach. That is the love of God. That's what the love of God will do. <clears throat> I, had, I picked up this book on our bookshelf and I just want to read something more about the love of God. In the 4th century, an Eastern monk named Telemachus left the world of people to live alone in the desert and mountains. By isolation, prayer, meditation, and fasting, he strove to save and satisfy his soul. After a time, he knew something was missing. One night on his knees, an insight came to him. His life of solitude was selfish and not selfless. Telemachus decided if he was going to serve God, he must serve people. Leaving his desert haunts, he returned to Rome, the capital of the world. To his surprise, Christianity had become the official religion. Christian, Christians no longer hid in tombs to worship. Everything seemed changed except for one thing. One awful visage of pagan Roman remained the arena. True Christians were no longer thrown to lions for entertainment, but captives of war were forced to fight and kill each other. Telemachus followed the swarming crowd to the spe spectacle. People cried for blood as gators fought. I'm not pronouncing these words right, but you know who it is. <laughs> Suddenly the monk jumped into the arena and rushed between the, the gators. Surprised, they stopped fighting. But the crowd cried, let the games go on. He was pushed aside, but again he ran back between the two. Now rocks and curses thundered from the angers. Spectators. Still he cried to stop the senseless slaughter. Then the commander's voice barked an order. The gator's sword rose, flashed in the sunlight, and struck the old man dead. The crowd quieted, shocked. 
that a holy man was killed. The game ended in silence. The audience melted away. Never again, according to this story, did the Gators fight in the arena. The old man, by dying, ended the brutal games. His death was more valuable to the world than his life. That's what the love of God will do. I have another picture of a mother giving her life for her baby. She is skin and bones, but there she feeds her baby. She's giving her life. There's not much food around, but she, there she gives her life for her baby. What does, what does love do? Love gives. <clears throat> what does love do? It gives. So we want to go to the next one now. For God so loved the world that He gave. He gave. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Because God loved, He gave. He gave. For God loved. Because God loved, He gave. He saw a perishing world and He did something about it. He gave the best that He had, His only, his only Son, so that you and I could be saved. He was willing to come and die on that cruel cross. If you would have been the only one in this world, He would have came just for you. Do you believe that? That's the love of God. He gave the best that He had, His only Son, so that you and I could be saved. He could have left us in our sin, but He didn't. Why didn't He leave us in our sin? Why didn't he just say they're a, they're a hopeless bunch of people? I'd, I'm not going to go give my life for them. They're not going to believe. They're going to keep doing what they're doing. Is that what he thought? Is that what he said? No. He could have left us in our sin, but he didn't. Why? Because he loved us. God gave His Son. Jesus gave His life. Jesus gave His very life. Like that man that we read about. I could hardly pronounce His name. He gave His life. And those fights quit. Will you give your life if there is a fight? Maybe not literally. But will you give your life? Will you do what it takes Will you look, will you get before God and pray, Lord, fill me with your spirit, with the Holy Ghost of power, with the love of God, and you go and take care of that fight. God needs men, God needs women who can quit these fights. But it takes a life that is willing to die. Jesus gave his very life. Now I have a question. Now I have a question. What have you given? What have I given? In light of, and, you know, I feel so feeble and so whatever in, in, in just bringing out what I did. It seems so little. But if we let it really sink in, if Jesus would not have come, we would be lost. We will be on our way to eternal destruction. In light of Jesus coming and giving His life, what have I given? 
What have you given for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Christ, for, the, for God and his kingdom? What have I given? The question comes to you and me. What have I given? Is God asking you to give up something? And this is for everyone. Is God asking you to give up something? You know maybe God is asking you to give up something. Will you give it up just for Him? Whatever that might be, will you give it up just for Him? Because you love Him. You realize what He did for you. You realize that He came all the way from heaven. How's that Esh song go? To save you and me. He left the glories of heaven. And as I was thinking about this thing of God giving and then Jesus giving His life, and, I, and then, I, then I was thinking, well, God gave His Son. And I don't even know if I should say it, but... <clears throat> You know, Jesus gave his life, but just trying to think what, what, what sacrifice God had to give. And, and I thought of this. There was him and his son in a beautiful, loving relationship that was one. And he had to let his son go down to a cruel world. And why did he do that for because he loved you and me. He loved you and me. Is God asking you to give up something? Will you give it up just for him? Will you give it up just for him? And this is for the for a, a young or children, maybe younger children or children that still at home. Maybe your parents are asking you to give up something. What would the love of God do? Oh, but I like this little thing. I like this whatever it might be. But somehow mom and dad don't feel good about it. But you have all the reasonings in the world to reason around that this, there's no problem with this thing. Come on, mom and dad. You're just whatever. You know, we hear these things about. You're as old-fashioned. Whatever terminology you want to put in there. But my dear brother and sister, what does the love of God do? It gives. And even if the love of God is in our heart, it's willing to give up anything for him. Amen? Anything. I'm willing to give all, my all for him. He did so much for me, what will I do for him? Well, the next word is believeth. He came, I'm sorry. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him, believeth. Let's go to John 1, 11 and 12. It says there, first, I'm sorry, John, St. John chapter 1. St. John chapter 1, 11 and 12, it says, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Did that discourage the heart of Jesus? 
What love did love give up there? No, it didn't. It didn't. He came unto his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Hallelujah. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now this word believeth, he that believeth receiveth. You know, you need to believe. If, if I, I, I was thinking of bringing a gift or something along and, and just saying, who will come up and receive this gift? Maybe even put something a little bit in there that would really, you know, makes want somebody come up to take it. <clears throat> you know, you would think, ah, Earl doesn't have anything in that box anyway, so I'm not going to go up there and, and maybe make a fool out of myself or however we look at that sometimes. But if you believe that there is something in that box that you need, you really believe there's something in that box that you need, will you keep sitting in your chair? Will you keep sitting in your seat? How was it blind Bartimaeus? He was blind. He could not see. And he cried out, Jesus to Jesus, uh, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the people said, you know, don't be so radical. But he knew that Jesus had something that he needed. Right? He that believeth receiveth. God wants to give a gift. When? Next year. Tonight. God wants to give a gift tonight. Will you by faith receive it? God wants to give a gift tonight. Will you by faith receive it? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God, I believe, wants to give the gift of salvation. God wants to save souls tonight. And if I could... How should I say? If I could speak it in such a way that my neighbor would hear it, God wants to give the gift of salvation not only to the neighbor out there, but also right here tonight. God wants to give the gift of salvation. If you're here tonight and you know that you're not saved, you know you don't have peace with God, you know you're not right with God, your heart condemns you, you try to do good, but somehow you always fly off the handle, whatever, you know, just using that as a terminology. Somehow you just can't do it. You know you're supposed to be good, but somehow you know that you're not. God wants to give a gift tonight. The gift of salvation. He wants to set you free if you're here tonight and you need salvation. God wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. 
And you know, like we said, he that believeth receiveth. It needs to, you need to believe that it's for you. You need to believe that, that Jesus died for you. And that he wants to give you the gift of salvation. Yes, you need to see your sin first of all like we tried to in the beginning. Just, uh, just uh, looking at God. Who he is. His, he is holy. He is righteous. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Do you do things undercover? Do you do things that you know that you shouldn't do and you don't want anybody to know about it? But guess what? God knows about it. And He's here tonight. And He doesn't want you to keep, keep uh, playing that game. He wants you to be free. He wants you to, 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 to uh, uh, confess your sin, to confess you're a sinner and that you cry out to Him for mercy like blind Barnabas who, who, who was blind and, and he said to Jesus, Thou Son of David, have mercy on me. And, and his eyes were open. God wants to save you tonight. God wants to give eternal life. The gift of salvation. If you're here tonight... My encouragement for you. And I don't know who I'm speaking to. God only knows. And I, was, I wasn't sure that I was, had the faith to preach this tonight. But God is speaking. God is speaking. God wants to give the gift of salvation. But He also wants to give something else here tonight. He wants also to give the gift of freedom from sin. If you're here tonight and you're wrestling with sin, you're, yes, you, you, you gave your heart to the Lord, you repented of your sins, and you, you were converted and you have become born again. But somehow the Christian life is a struggle. Somehow it's just not working. It's like an engine that you put the wrong type of fuel in it or you... You, don't, you let it run out of oil and it doesn't run anymore. And like somebody said one time, some people live their Christian life where they, instead of the engine being in the hood, they have to push this thing. That's not the Christian life. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life, there is an engine under that hood. And when you start up the key, it goes somewhere, right? The other day, somebody was going past our place, and yeah, they were going too fast. I don't know, they were probably thinking, I got a lot of power in this hood. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> we don't need that type of power, but we need the power to overcome sin. We need the power to be free from sin. We need the gift of freedom from sin. Do you struggle tonight? Are you here tonight? you struggle with fear? You know, this virus thing is very real. Are you fearful tonight? And I'm not saying that to condemn anyone. Fear is a real thing. I have struggled with it in my... I know what it's all about. 
But I also know what it is to be free from it. And it's not like I just conquered it and now it's gone. I still have to fight against it. Do you struggle with fear? You're fearful. God wants to give tonight to you the gift of freedom from fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. There it is. The love of God again takes care of that fear. We need to be full. We need to get filled with the love of God. Do you have the, do you, are, you, are you struggling with the sin of anger? I don't know if anybody struggles with that or not. I don't know who am I. I don't know if I'm preaching to anyone. But these things are real. These things are real. You know, and I, for some reason I thought of the mothers tonight. And, and I'm not sure why, but the fathers, they, they, they have this problem too. But maybe it's more because, you know, we fathers sometimes, we go out and do our work and the children are home with the moms. How is it, mom, tonight? When your child doesn't do what it's supposed to do, do you find yourself getting angry? You know, this is such a, you know, for a child to grow up in a home where there is anger, you are destroying your child. Somehow they get a picture, it seems it works this way, where they get a picture, that's how they view God. God is out to get them. God is angry, he's up there with a big stick to beat me every time I do wrong. Anger is a terrible thing. God wants to set you free from anger. Pride. How about pride? You struggle with pride. Oh my, that that is... You struggle with resentment. Maybe somebody did something to you and you you just want to slap them. You just want to let them have it. They did something to you. Do you struggle with resentment? Do you struggle with unbelief? Now that one there comes home for all of us. Do you struggle with unbelief? Or do you believe when there is a need where you come before God? You, 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 you remember the, the Corinthians 13 there where it says, Charity, bear it all things, believe in all things, hope in all things. Unbelief. We'll go the other way. God, deliver us from unbelief. God wants to set us free. Will we believe him tonight? Is there unforgiveness? That one there seems to be. I just remember one time I went up. We were up at the Ped Mall. And, and there was, uh, I was talking to somebody. And I just kind of asked him. So is there somebody that you're not forgiving? He said, yeah. And I think I went to somebody else. And kind of uh, uh, talked to them. And, and here it was the same old thing. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. You struggle with unforgiveness. Do you struggle with selfishness? Are you selfish? You want the biggest pie or you want whatever. Are you selfish? God wants to save us from our sin. If you're struggling with sin tonight, I think of the man that had a withered hand. You know, somehow that withered hand had to come out and then Jesus healed him. And if you want to be, if you want to be free from your sin, you're going to have to confess it. You're going to have to somehow, if you will, bring your hand out and let everybody see it, as ugly as it is. God is not going to heal it if you keep it in your pocket. 
You need to let it bring it out and say, here it is. I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. Lord, I don't like it. I'm bringing disgrace down on your name. God, have mercy on me. God wants to save us to sin no more. Isn't there a song like that? God wants to save us to sin no more. And I'm not talking about, uh, uh, what is that, uh, that uh, theology where uh, we, uh, you know what I'm talking about. I'm sorry? Sinless perfection. But I'm talking about a life that is, that is walking in victory. And yes, it might fall at times, but it gets up again and believes God. God wants to save us to sin no more. That His glory can shine forth. He wants to set us free also from our besetting sin. You have a besetting sin. Maybe, I didn't, maybe we didn't hit it. Maybe the thing that you struggle with is just simply a problem that you have and you know you have it. God wants to set you free tonight. God wants to set you free tonight. I'm sorry. Try to wrap it up here. I have this verse that I wanted to read in John. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Praise God. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one touches him not. Jesus in Ephesians, it says about the, the uh, Jesus and also husband and wife there, and it says there about Jesus uh, is coming back. Am I thinking right or am I getting mixed that up with uh, revelations there? He, or he's, Jesus is coming back for his bride that is without spot or wrinkle. Is there a wrinkle? Is there a spot that Jesus wants to cleanse? <clears throat> that you need to let Jesus cleanse. The blood of Jesus can cleanse us from all sin. The blood of Jesus can cleanse us from all sin. God wants to set us free tonight. If we're struggling with anything, if we, if we are lost and we need a Savior, Jesus wants to save you. He wants to, God wants to give us life eternal. He wants to give us life eternal. He that hath the Son has life, and he that has not the Son hath not life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're here tonight and you're serving the devil, you know what your wage is? Death. Death. The wages of sin is death. How would you like to work for death wages, Lamont? How would we like to work for you know, we work for our, wherever we work, and all that we would get at the end of the week or the end of the month or wherever, that when we get the paycheck, all we would get is death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. <clears throat> yes, God wants to work in our hearts and our lives. 
It says in John, it says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here tonight and you need salvation, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here tonight and you're struggling with sin, it was said, or in Matthew, I think it says it were about Jesus. It's talking about Jesus and it says, Thou shalt call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sin. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Will you believe Him tonight if you're struggling? I don't know if there's anyone here tonight or not that, that needs this gift that we're talking about. But I would venture to say there probably is. And I would want to encourage you to believe God. That this gift is for you. And I wasn't sure I didn't talk to Elvin. But I was... I, I don't know how to do this, but I'm planning to give an altar call. And if you don't feel comfortable coming up because you might feel like you're responding to me, that's perfectly fine. Just go upstairs and somebody will meet you up there. This is not about, this is not about me. It's not about Elvin. It's not about Larry. It's not about... You know, how should I say it? So that we look good, that, the, that Zion looks good, but in essence we do want to show forth the glory of God. <clears throat> but respond to the Lord. If the Lord has spoken to you, I encourage you to respond. And don't give in to, uh, you know, I don't know, I know there's times when I, like I said, I struggle with condemnation, so an altar call was given, and I wasn't sure whether God was speaking to me or whether I was just thinking, of, thinking that, yeah, he's angry or he's, he, he's not satisfied with me, maybe more that way. I just want to encourage you, if you know without a shadow of a doubt that God has spoken, don't be afraid of God. Don't be afraid of God. God loves you. He loves you so much that He sent His Son so that you can be saved, so that you can be set free from whatever sin it might be. I hope I have said enough, or I think I'll, I'll, I'll let it at that.